Welcome to the Lucha Lounge Podcast. I'm your host, Elijah Kang, a sound designer by day, but by night I am a pro wrestling connoisseur, the proud owner of two kittens, and the host of this, the Lucha Lounge Podcast. This podcast is all about giving interesting people an unfiltered form to share their ideas and stories with everyone out there. So thanks for listening. Here we go. On the ninth episode of the Lucha Lounge podcast, I talked to a professional wrestler. We talked about how we got into pro wrestling, about ring attire, finishing moves, about getting over with the crowd, and a whole lot more. So without any further ado, please welcome my guest, Tony Mako. Boom. And we're live with Tony Mako, professional wrestler. <laughs> welcome to the podcast. It's an honor to be here. I mean, I, I feel kind of awkward though because this is like my first podcast, but it's but it's all good. I'm I'm ready for the questions you have for me. No problem, no problem. Um, I say this every podcast I do, but I've been looking forward to it for a really long time. And we actually set this up a while back too. Right. Yeah, I've been thinking of questions and like all these things to ask you, and I want to hear some stories about pro wrestling. Everybody knows that listens to this show. I'm a huge pro wrestling fan. Even in the intro, I say I'm a pro wrestling connoisseur, and I'm just really excited to get a professional wrestler's point of view. So before we get into like all the details and all the quote-unquote high-level questions I have, let's just start with you. How did you get started in pro wrestling? All right, so pretty much I got started in pro wrestling, I want to say like a year or two after high school. When I was a kid, I'd always say, yeah, I'm going to be a pro wrestler. I always always kept that consistency, even through high school when my dreams would change. I, I always flew back to wanting to be a pro wrestler. So, I mean, what I pretty much did was I, I Googled how to be a pro wrestler. And all the information was there. I had found out I had to go to school for it. And I had to find a school and learn that, you know, it's completely different from college. And everything is out of pocket. I um I did my first pro wrestling tryout. I think I did good. I mean, I, I'm, I'm here now. Right. But at the time, it was just my mom working. I didn't have any money or anything like that to actually pay for the school. So I had to fall back on it. I had a job for a bit at a Walmart that, that wasn't paying anything. So, so once I left there, I started working for a different job. Once I realized how my money was starting to be, wrote out bills, you know, and started planning everything, I realized, oh, I actually have money to pay for wrestling school and be able to still live. So right after that, I retried out, got right in. And just like that, I just started training and eventually debuted. And now I'm wrestling. What is wrestling school like? Um, I went to a wrestling school called the Eastern Wrestling Association. It's mm -hmm. in uh, Dundalk, Maryland in Baltimore um wrestling school it's it's its own beast like you have all these sports right you can be a world-class athlete in track amateur wrestling boxing all of those different sports so when you train towards being a wrestler it's a completely different ordeal like from running the ropes you have to get taught how to run the ropes you have to get taught how to fall you have to get taught how to grapple you you, you got to get taught step by step on how to do everything and for, say, football drills, football drills are intense. You have all this equipment on and you have to do so much where when you're training for wrestling, you don't have that equipment, but you have to do so much in regards to your cardio. So it's 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 pretty fair. I, I would say that. Huh. We watch wrestling on TV. You know, I'm a big, you know, WWE fan mainly, but I also watch like New Japan and Ring of Honor, right. obviously. Um, I'm trying to get out to an MCW show maybe later on this year. Right. Um, and I just went to SmackDown 1000, you know, because uh, I want to see The Undertaker, who's my favorite wrestler. But what you see in the ring looks so, it looks so smooth, you know, especially some of these guys that have been doing it for a while. Right. It almost looks painless, but yeah. we know that it is not. Yeah, no, it, nowhere at all is it a painless job pretty much right um most people even when i was younger i thought okay it's trampolines inside the ring you right. know they get slammed they bounce right back up that right. is a complete lie there's no trampolines there are no springs what what makes wrestlers bounce from that from that ring mat mm. plywood and metal beams within that ring and that stuff hurts <laughs> probably probably like a little bit of thick foam and that's the most you're going to get as mm. far as comfort 
that's the most. But you get taught how to fall. Um, when you come across wrestlers with injuries or head injuries, mm-hmm. majority of times it was either them taking what we call a bump wrong, and that requires them to like you got to tuck your chin before you fall. You always tuck your chin, regardless of whatever it is. You tuck your chin unless it's like a um, Styles clash. Yeah, you don't you tuck your chin. Up. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's little stuff like that that really hurts. Um, Just, what, two or three weeks ago, I sprained my wrist. I ha- I didn't have on any wrist tape, and I was on the top rope, and I didn't have no business being on the top rope without wrist tape on. That was that was my mistake from the jump. Um, I jumped over my opponent's head, gave him a bulldog from the top rope, and when I landed, my wrist was, like, at a pretty bad angle. So as soon as it happened, I said, yeah, I, I just messed my wrist up for oh, sure. No. And I still had to wrestle. I mean, everything was fine. It was just I knew what I did wrong. So majority of times it's, you know, you messed up. You shouldn't have done it. But yeah, wrestling hurts. Wrestling hurts. Yeah. And I wish more people like knew it because the age old saying is wrestling is fake. Right. You know, and you know, they got trampolines They wear like, you know, they're wearing elbow pads and stuff like that. And like, they don't realize that it is, it is just wood and maybe canvas on top of the ring. Right. And so when wrestlers do something as simple as a backdrop or a DDT or something like that. That's just, that's just falling on wood. Yeah, like, pretty much. I, yesterday I fell down. I kind of like slipped on the stairs and my knee hit, you know, the stairs and I was dying for like 30 minutes. <laughs> but like for you guys, that is, you know, multiple times in a match. Yeah. Um. So pretty much like you were saying earlier with you going to see MCW show, I, I highly encourage you go watch an MCW show. It's truly an experience of its own. And in this area, MCW is the top independent wrestling place in the DMV area. So I, I would I would highly recommend you go mm. see them. Um, I've done a couple of things for them, like helping them out, but I never wrestled on their card. That's something that I start retraining and I train there, or I just put enough work elsewhere and constantly flood them with matches that I've done. Right, tapes. Until they... Until they look at me, but okay, we'll put you on our card, or you can do a birthday show, or something like that. Right, right. But I mean, they're 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 pretty good people there. What's a birthday show? Birthday shows pretty much are how most training schools or certain independent wrestling feds they um they get their income because not all the time you're going to have wrestling shows that are going to bring in a whole lot of money. So birthday shows pretty much. They bring out their um, some of their main card wrestlers and some of their students as well to perform on these shows for kids, pretty much. And it's nothing like extreme, no uh, brain busters or anything <laughs> crazy like that because no it's for kids. Uh, right. Yeah, man. Uh, one of the cool things about SmackDown 1000 was that uh, Leo Rush was there. He's wrestling yeah. for the WWE now, and that guy came up. Through MCW. Through MCW. And... You know, as a as a littler guy myself, when I see an indie darling like Leo Rush make it to the big stage and like succeed, you know, that's 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 awesome, right? The thing with Leo Rush is he I always looked at him as someone that was in a rush. Mm. I, I would watch back when I was just starting to try and get into it. He didn't want to wait a full how long was it? Um, I forgot how long it takes for a wrestling student to actually debut, especially for a place like MCW, because of their high standards that they have before you can even go out. They make sure you're ready. You're ready. You know what you're doing and you have everything together before you step in that ring. So for him, he didn't want to wait an extremely long amount of time. He trained for six months and just like that, he debuted. He wouldn't take no for an answer. So he wrestled in so many places in a short amount of time. His first tryout, or his second trout for Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. and just like that. Wow. Just like that. And it's crazy because the thing that we're told not to do, it worked perfectly for him. So we're always told, if you feel like you're going slow, go slower. If you're moving too fast in the ring, how are fans going to register what's going on in the ring? Right. But Leo Rush is so fast. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's truly something that he's mastered on his own, 100%. Leo Rush is quick. 
beyond quick. <laughs> and I mean, it leans into his his size, right? His build. Yeah. He's a he's a really small guy, so it wouldn't really make sense for his character, especially with a name like Leo Rush, to move very methodically and technically and stuff. Right. I mean, watching him watching him wrestle, he was on a five way with uh, some two hundred five live guys. Yeah. And he was a step ahead of everyone. And like TJ Perkins was there. Yeah. Um, Grand Metallic was there. Right. And those guys are quick too, but he was like, yeah, a step yeah. ahead. It's definitely something he he's mastered right. within his time. So now you are a pro wrestler, right? Yes. But you were also an amateur wrestler. Yes. Yes. Right? I did do amateur wrestling in high school. You see a lot of wrestlers come from amateur wrestling. Like Jack Swagger is like that. Brock Lesnar is like that. Right. Does amateur wrestling kind of lay some sort of foundation for you to set you up for pro wrestling? Or why is there such a strong connection between the two? Um, I think amateur wrestling for sure gets your grappling game mm. way better. Some people do get into amateur wrestling just to get into the Olympics or they just want to stay with that amateur wrestling status. Sure. Me personally, I got into amateur wrestling just to have something to build up for my pro wrestling. Wow. So... So it was all intentional, even from the beginning. Yes, yes. Like high school, I was in junior ROTC. With them, I ran track. Um, yeah, I ran their track. I did their push-up team and sit-up team and stuff like that. I did football, but I didn't like football that much. Head injuries do do stuff to people. Concussions and everything like yeah, that. CTE I'm, is real. Right. I'm not the biggest fan of football. But for amateur wrestling, I'm all for it. Right. So like, I hated football, but I, I loved amateur wrestling for sure. Mm-hmm. The the one year my grades were actually good enough for me to be on the team, I placed fourth in my first like big tournament. Oh, wow. But that was eventually what I found that what stuck with me in amateur wrestling. But it, it did definitely build something for my pro wrestling. Right. So with my pro wrestling, I'm good at grappling, pretty much. It's a fair sport. So if you inspire to be a pro wrestler... Amateur wrestling, I would I would say would be a pretty good start. Even MMA, I, mm. I would say that's that's a pretty good start too. Yeah, um, what's his name? Matt Riddle. Yeah, just got signed yeah. to NXT, and yep. he was a huge MMA star, um, up and coming guy. And actually, um, Daniel Cormier, the yeah. heavyweight and light heavyweight champion of the UFC, um, after UFC 230, which is in a couple weeks, right. he said that he's going down to Orlando to try out to be a commentator for the WWE. Yeah, because yeah, he has what a, a fight coming up too within that around that time. Yeah, so he's not going to yeah. mess up anything, you know. So he's going to do commentary for it. Uh, Matt Riddle, he's another good one because he came from the UFC. He went to um, the Monster Factory. What's that? Um, another pro wrestling school. Really, really, really good pro wrestling. Is that school. in uh, our area or no? It's in. Um, um, Jersey or Pennsylvania. I can't okay. I can't really recall it all the way, but a lot of people have came from the Monster Factory, coast to coast. That wrestled for a Ring of Honor. Punishment Martinez, mm. Monster Factory, and, and he just signed with the WWE. Oh, nice. Like, they really do train monsters, pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> it's It sounds like it's like one of those famous, like the Hearts Dungeon or, you yeah. know, like one of those. Yeah, and if you were to even take a step in there, first thing you see on the ground, wrestling mats. That place has wrestling mats all over the floor. They have two wrestling rings. They even have a workout room. And more and more, it is going in that direction, that athleticism. Yes. You know, like when you look back at the golden age of wrestling with like Hogan and Andre the Giant, it was mostly about how big you look. Yeah. And, you know, feats of strength, like the body slam on Andre the Giant or something like that. Right. And now it is more gearing towards average sized guys that can move quick but they're also strong and they have like a really good athletic foundation. I mean, you look at the WWE roster right now, there's no guys that are huge anymore. Like, like triple H had the best physique for a long time and still one of the best ones. Right. Not too many guys have that look anymore. I mean, maybe Cena. Yeah, but it's John Cena. Yeah. But I mean, mean. he's super (laughs) Cena. So yeah, I mean like you're seeing guys like Daniel Bryan, you know, AJ Styles, who's, you know, athletic looking, but he doesn't look like he's in the weight room all the time like Triple H was when he was in his prime. For sure, we probably don't think that they look the right way. Right. But I, I, I'm i pretty sure they're working out as much as they get. Um, Daniel Bryan, I'm not even going to say he's probably not in the gym because more than likely he's in the gym. Yeah. More, as well as him working on his... Um, his wrestling as well yeah. for him fixing his style up the way he did. Yeah. Like if you ever notice how he does his drop kicks from the corner, he used to just go straight into them. 
but when he does them now, his arm is hooked on the top rope. Right. If you ever to, notice that. To ease the ease To the ease fall. the tension from him hitting his head. Now that you mention it, you know, only a pro would notice something detailed yeah. like that. Um, Daniel Bryan is a crazy story, man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. He was somebody that they didn't want because of his size. But if you look further than like WWE, he's done... Dragon's Gate. Yeah. He was there. He was at Ring of Honor. He's he's had at, a story. At one point, he was a um, head teacher at the Ring of Honor uh, dojo. Oh, wow. It's crazy. I think he was the head trainer with only like three students at the time. If I would have found that out when I was younger, <laughs> what? And he, you know, he had a quote unquote career ending injury. Yeah. And then he fought so hard to come back and he came back from right. that, that neck injury. Yeah. And now he's back. I saw him wrestle on uh, Tuesday. Yeah. And he looked good. He's still fast. You know, Daniel Bryan is really an example of someone that really got over with the crowd. Right. In a way that no one else did. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, I've had that experience. Um, it was about two, I want to say about two, three years ago, where there was a, a SmackDown uh, pre-recording in uh, in DC, and when we went, it was me and my cousin. It was his birthday, so we all went, and you know, the majority of the night was pretty mellow. I would like to say, but when Day Ryan came out and everybody was yes, 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 yes yeah. I was like, wow, like. Okay. That's the level of how over you can be with the fans. And this is built off of the fact that the WWE brass didn't really like him all that much. Right, you know, right. when he was coming in, they it's like, you didn't have the look, you don't have the body, you know. And even in that storyline, he's like, you're a B plus, you're a B right, plus right. wrestler. Yeah. And then yeah, that story wrote itself. But um, yeah, man. So in wrestling school, yeah. what is like a training session look like for someone that is in wrestling school training to be a pro wrestler but is not there yet? Um hard work. Mm. <laughs> that that's that's the best way I can put it. For people that are in there, right? The thing is what's the next drill? How can you execute that drill better? Mm. What is it you can do when it comes to these certain tasks that you're given during your training that you know for sure you're going to ace it with no problem. Hmm. Or if you do see that you have a problem with doing it, how can you fix that? So, um, for example, like what does a drill look like? So one particular drill, it's as simple as a um, drop down and a leapfrog. Okay. So drop down is like um, wrestler gets like this, mm -hmm. person does a step over, hit the ropes, then the person that was down comes up, jumps like they want to touch their toes. Right. Same person that just hit that rope, now go under. Like leapfrogging. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, doing that at least 10 times straight, you, you get tired. <laughs> yeah, because, like, the ring is not small. I mean, it looks yeah, smaller no. on TV, but... yeah, No, there's there's um, different size rings out there. Right. There are some real small ones. There are some really huge ones. There There's some that hurt more than others. Well, how, how does that work? On how they're built. There, there's some rings that instead of them being a flat surface, mm -hmm. flat surface, I mean, they're all on their sides, like all the beams. Uh -huh. So like you see how my hand is right now. Right. So some are built like this when every ring is supposed to be flat. That way you can bounce right. when you when you take a slam. But with these, you're just sunk. You're sunk right oh. into the ring. And those are the ones that, that really hurt. But I mean, what they do pretty much, these drills are one for muscle memory. They're something that we call spots. So with running spots, it's pretty much, you know, what we'll lock up. I'll put you in a headlock. Send me off. Um, you do a drop down. I'll do step over it and you leapfrog. And then we go from there. Right. Take a shoulder tackle or something. Right. So that that's one of the things that it gets you built up towards. You building muscle memory just to know off breaks what to do. You'll have some people that'll do it, not call it. And you just have to know to go from there. Um. Those, I would say, are kind of dangerous, but if you're the type of person that knows what's going on, then you should be fine. Right. So one of the things that a lot of people say, it's, oh, it's scripted. They they rehearse that beforehand, <laughs> right? Right. That's not true. For example, like like a pretty dangerous spot. This, this almost never happens, but the one that comes to mind is uh, the spear that Edge gave Jeff Hardy off of the ladder. You can't practice that. It can't be practiced. No, yeah. no. So pretty much when you go into like pre-rehearsed, biggest pre-rehearsed match out there was probably the Rock and John Cena the first time. That was gone over. Step by step. Step by step. Step by step all the way. Um, John Cena is, from what I've heard, is somebody that calls matches on the fly. Mm. On the fly makes it seem more, more realer, but it's mm. also nerve-wracking because you got to figure out what to do within the time and you have to listen 
to right. be talked to to see what's see what you're going to do next. So with the rehearse situation, it's pretty much if me and you were in a ring and I lock up with you and I put you in a headlock and then I just take you to the ground versus I put you in a headlock. I tell you that I'm going to put you on the mat pretty much. You're expecting that. So then you're going to be on your back and I'm going to have you in a front headlock while you're on your back versus me just going boom and just doing it. It's not going to look right. It's going to look awkward. It's going to look like it wasn't meant to happen. Because you're forcing the move onto me instead of us executing the move together. Exactly. So when you're calling it in the ring, you know, live, Mm -hmm. how do you do that without people seeing it? There's there's ways. Um, Because like I know guys with longer hair can like hide it like that, but then you you know you have a fro, so it's kind of oh no, it starts to come down (laughs) as I sweat. Okay. Um, headlocks, rest holds, chin locks. There's ways. Hmm. The referees a way as well. You can use the ref to talk. How do you do that? Um, if I'm wrestling and if I'm wrestling as a bad guy, I'll as I'm pissing the crowd off, I'll turn to the ref and start shit with the ref, Mm -hmm. and I'll tell him what to tell the next guy. Tell the guy that's laying on the ground what what's coming up next, or I'm gonna do this, cut me off, and take over. Hmm. So it's it, it's it's some secrets. <laughs> yeah, man. And I I think during the once again like the golden age of wrestling, right. you know, with Hogan, you know, there was a a line in the sand that wrestlers could not cross. You know, yeah. the kayfabe, right? You right. cannot oh, break God. Kayfabe. kayfabe. Yes. Basically, for people that don't know what that is, it is basically the line. That says, once you're in character, you have to protect that character and everything that you do in character as if it is real. Right. So when Hulk Hogan was wrestling Andre the Giant, that's a real fight. Right. Um, one of the best examples is The Undertaker. You know, he gives no interviews. Yeah, none. He, he protects his character. He protects that kayfabe for sure. These days, though, it is less and less. That line is getting blurred a little yeah. more, right? Yeah, With super, social media and stuff. Super duper thin. How does that affect you? It doesn't. Hmm. It doesn't really affect me. I mean, when you get wrestlers, especially during the Indies, that before you go out and wrestle, they want to take a picture with you. Right. <laughs> before you go, before y'all go out there and right. beat each other's ass. And like, <laughs> I thought you guys were like arch nemesis, but you're in the back, you know, on right. your Instagram. Right. Right. I mean, one show I can say that's probably uncovered that more, it's probably like Total Divas. Probably because you right. see Hills hanging out with faces all the time. Right, right. So, I mean, that's that's something that kind of made it a bit easier, mm. I'd want to say. But it it doesn't really take a toll on me because I can switch into character. It's no problem. But right. I'm I'm just uh, I, I think I'm just like chill, pretty normal guy. Mm. So I don't I don't look at myself as like a super wrestler. But I, I do know at the same time if we're at a show. Right. And mm. we have we have beef as characters. And I see you over there talking to a group of people, but I'm walking this way. Mm-hmm. I'm going to mean mug you while you're over there. Right, right. Because I'm thinking of kids. Kids right. are going to be paying attention to that. So I already know. If I see all these little kids around me, you got a group of people over there. Right. And me and you have a problem. I'm not going to walk over to you or walk past me. Like, Excuse me. No, I'm going to shove you. Right. Or I'm going to do something to still establish that I don't like you right, pretty right. much. So let's let's talk about the character, right? And mm-hmm. you said that you can switch face and heel, good guy, bad guy. Yeah, you're, depending you're supposed on, to. Right. Um, so for you, Tony Mako, yeah. is that a character? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's a lifestyle almost. Mm. Um, as far as the character-wise, the, the name Tony Mako, it came about during training pretty much. We were cutting promos. And I said the name Mako because at first I wanted to be Tony Mac because of my last name. But it was like, nah. No, Tony Mac isn't going to go for you. No. And I said Mac-O, and it worked. So I was like, mm. all right, cool. I'll keep it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, within time, for any wrestler, they have to find themselves. So at first, they wanted me to be like a DJ Khaled type of gimmick. But DJ Khaled had a meme. So instead of saying, like, you played yourself and all that yeah. all the time, I was like, I don't think that that's going to work. That's just a trend right now. Right. And trends eventually do fade away Mm -hmm. so why should i even go for it but eventually i just figured out you know what it is that i should do and i came up with like the afro samurai Uh tony mako yeah 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 and um pretty much yeah no yeah i I seen you come out with the sword and the jacket yeah yep um i actually got my cousin to paint my jacket oh that jacket was from like forever 21 (laughs) and so i told him hey can you draw like a samurai helmet put the tm logo within the helmet and stuff and 
he made it happen. So pretty much with that gimmick, it's either I'm someone that can wrestle and fight for honor, of course, go the true samurai way of Mm -hmm. what's right and fight against what's wrong. Or I can be the hill Tony Mako, the street style samurai, the rogue samurai that doesn't really care about anything when it comes to that ring because the person in front of me is a person I have to hurt. I have to hurt you. Once me and you're in there, I don't care if I have to play dirty. I don't care if I have to piss the crowd off. I don't care. I will do whatever it takes just to get that win or or to get that W, even if I have to pull my sword out and threaten to cut you. Right, like, right, right. <laughs> and, and even at times, the sword that I carry, sometimes it talks to me. So for say I do have like a cursed sword. And if I pull it out of the saber, then I'm somewhat possessed. I get this extra energy or oh, nice. or somewhat I get uncontrolled. Um, with this character that I, that I eventually found myself like, oh, I have an afro. When my hair grows out, boom, it gets bigger uh-huh. into a big fluffy afro. So, okay, what can I do with that? Then I started realizing, you know, I do like samurais. I do like that whole lifestyle that they have lived. So pretty much figuring out what I want to do in between that. Mm. It's like, yeah, I figured it out. <laughs> that is cool. And I guess in the indies, do you find out like the day you're wrestling? Oh, you're you're the face, you're the heel. Because it's not like on TV where the character story like progresses every time they're on TV. At least right. for a long time, they stay one character. Right. Um, If it's... It depends, pretty much. If you've been wrestling for a certain promotion for a certain amount of time, you'll have it established if you're a heel or a face. Right. If you're going to a new promotion, I personally always ask, what are you short of? What do you need? I believe every independent wrestler should be able to work. Heel or face. Heel or face. There's no, oh, I only work heel. Why? Yeah. Why can't you work face? It's not not hard. You're, You're taught how to work heel or face. Right. Pretty much. So when I hear somebody say, oh, no, I'm only a face. Why are you only a face? Right. Why aren't you a heel? I'm I'm a naturally nice guy, but I like pissing people off. Right. I can say, yeah, I only work heel, but I know how to work face. Right. So I always ask, what's needed? Do you need a heel? Do you need a face? Do you need a tag team? Do you need a heel or face tag team? Mm. It, it, it mostly depends on what's needed. I'm willing to do whatever is needed. So if you're short on heels, I'll be a heel. Right. If you need a face, boom, there you go. I like to figure out what's needed more. I don't look at myself as like a top talent or or a head guy or or super well known in the indies. I've only been wrestling two years. So I'm still humble. Nowhere at all am I like cocky or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I'm more concerned of what the promoter needs to make his promotion better. So what wrestling promotions do you wrestle for? For right now, it's only one promotion in West Virginia. What's Next, it called? WDWA. Okay. In West Virginia. Next year, I definitely plan on working towards going to other places. I want to wrestle in Canada, honestly. For this um, one promotion called Super Kicked, they followed me on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And once I looked through, I was like, oh, this looks so fun. It's one of those promotions where the fans are definitely into it. And they there's no like barricades or anything, so they can bang on the mats. Oh, nice. So so it's definitely one of those places I would love to wrestle for. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, for now, it's just there. I've wrestled for a couple of different places though couple of them i'm not proud to have wrestled for but i mean why do you say that i mean you don't have to throw any shade yeah no no no, 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 no. yeah um i can't say the crowd because you have to be willing to work in front of 15 people for sure i guess the way things are ran in Mm. some places like when you're trying to say these aren't wrestlers these are stuntmen and as they're wrestling and you're on commentary and you yell out one more hit like that, and I'm going to have to cut the match. Or you yell out, hey, that was a little tight or a little stiff. You're not in the ring taking these kicks. What do you mean? (laughs) Like, Would you like to come down here and and, and just try it, and you tell me if it's stiff or not? So you're talking about like the promoter is like critiquing the match while it's happening? Yeah. See, that's breaking the (laughs) kayfabe in a bad way. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been probably once that that's happened to me besides that. I mean, it's it's been some sketchy situations, I, I can say. Um, yeah, I'll give you a story. I'm not going to say names. I'm not even going to name promotions or sure, anything sure. like that. So this is the first time I've ever came across like a pro wrestling catfish. So crazy. What? So this guy, right, is promoting some new fed. And he was taking interest if anybody DM'd him and stuff. I send my information like, hey, this is what I can do. These are promo pictures, matches, and so on. So he's like, okay, cool. We have... Something coming up in a couple months. All right, cool. I'll take it. Next thing you know, I see on the flyer, show got canceled. So whenever they don't commit to their first show, it's not going to end well. 
if they can make it past three shows, you got something. But if you can't get past three wrestling shows, that's a red flag. Yeah, big red flag. So that that was already a flag there. But when I was contacted and told, yeah, I know a place out in Indiana that are looking for young talent. Would you be willing to travel? I was like, sure. Okay, cool. When I hit up promoters, especially with distance, you're already taking a chance with me in particular. Mm -hmm. You're taking a chance. My booking fee isn't OC crazy or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not a big name yet. Right. So the way I see it is you're taking a chance with me, right? I have no problem with doing the travel. I'll pay for my own travel, everything like that, because I'm a gamble. It's a gamble because what if they pay for you to get flown out and you totally shit the bed? Yeah. Now the promoters wasted this much money just to get you out here and they got to get you back. So I've always believed test me once if i'm good then we negotiate from there right pretty much i'll do the travel my own way i don't i don't have no problem with it that's just the type of person i am personally so i paid to fly out to indiana first time on a plane scared first time on a plane first time on a plane, and that was like a couple months ago i was scared i was scared as hell so scared we we had to fly to chicago first as soon as the plane i was like oh (laughs) <laughs> Shit. I, I was beyond scared and then from there we flew to indianapolis mm-hmm. so i get there i get picked up drove out there right so i'm in this place it's like a firehouse type of bar but they were smoking cigarettes at the bar i'm like oh okay am i going to catch like cancer while i wrestle or something <laughs> like no <laughs> so i find out who i'm wrestling i meet up with him cool person um I meet another person and another person and another person. I end up meeting four people that were all contacted through the same person that spoke with me. So once we find out from one guy what's happened, what was his experience with him? Like he went out to a promotion. He was told that his travels, everything would be covered. Keep his receipts for gas and everything. He gets to the place. The promoter's like, what's this? He was like, this person said that you would cover me for all my travels and expenses. And he was like... No, not at all. And so he was screwed out of that. And the same person that got him out there never went to that promotion to Whoa. meet him. So it's five of us, including myself. We're all here and we're all contacted from the same person. So right. we're like, okay, is he going to show up? So the guy that I happen to be wrestling with contacted I'm like, hey, where are you? Ah, I'm not there. I'm not going to be able to make it. And we're like, okay. Oh no! So after the match, you know, me, me and the guy wrestled. We had we had a fun time. First so time you I, guys actually wrestled? Okay, yeah, cool. yeah, we wrestled. It was the first time I actually had the shit slapped out of me, <laughs> and not do anything back like for real, for real. Right. So when I was, I was like, oh, did he just smack me? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but no, it was it was all good. Um, he contacted him back because it was a certain amount of money owed to mm-hmm. him, and he asked, hey, where are you, and are you going to at least show up to pay me? And he gives this story of pretty much son has to do surgery and he's not going to be able to pay him and he'll meet him at the next booking. And I was just like, what a dick. Like, what a a real dick. So basically, you guys flew out there, wrestled for free. He drove. Oh, he He drove. drove, Yeah. Man, that's also the worst. Yeah. He he came from like Ohio. So it it was a good eight hour drive for him. And he still had to wrestle a show the next day. Man. So he, um, well, him and his his group of three. So pretty much after that, the the promoter paid us. But we asked a promoter who this guy was. And the promoter said he never met him. He never knew him. He contacted him through Facebook as well. Oh. So this whole time we're stuck, like, did we just get, like, catfished in a weird way? Yeah, because, like, I mean, the the guy that called you is, you know, the booker, right? Right. And so he's acting as an intermediary between talent and the promoter. Actual, yeah. But he doesn't show up or there had to be, like, the promoter had to have paid this guy up front a large amount of money to book, you know, five wrestlers. Yeah, there, there was some. No, the promoter, he showed us the messages. And it was all of our, like, pictures. What? And it was like, yeah, he can wrestle him. He can wrestle him. And there was never any discuss of him actually paying the owner of that company. That's so weird. Like, what? Exactly. What is there to gain out of that? I don't know. 
But I guess in the indies, I mean, as an up and coming wrestler, you got to deal with all sorts, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a weird it's a weird environment, but I mean, it's all it's all good. We we got paid. It was like I think it was like what twenty dollars, but it's like whatever. Right. The dude was a catfish. That, that that's pretty much. I had to just chuck that up as an L. But um, like after that, we all went to like Buffalo Wild Wings <laughs> and just ate chicken and stuff. That's awesome. All right. So when I first started kind of doing a little bit of research on you, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I noticed about you that kind of set you apart from everybody else that you were in the ring with was attire, yeah. your ring attire. Yeah. Um, even from like maybe I think it was like uh, several months ago or like a year ago, you're wearing it like the MMA, the Hayabusa yeah. stuff. Yeah. But like even that looks so much better than gym shorts and a tank top, which a lot oh of my God. a lot yep. of guys choose to wear. You yes. know what I mean? Oh my gosh. I can talk about that forever. The <laughs> the so-called Kevin Owens look, yeah. I like to say. The gym shorts. I I think my, what was it? My second or third pro wrestling match was against somebody. I was there. I was their first match, and his attire was a shirtless, a sleeveless shirt with gym shorts, and he had this the Kevin Owens look, man. Yeah, he he had this. Um, I guess he had this little story where wherever he was training at, the owner got married or something, and they stopped the school and they took all his gear. Some crazy story, and he he claimed that he knew how to wrestle, but when we got in the ring and all he knew was body slams and chin locks, oh, I was no. just like, "Yo, did you forget how to wrestle?" So it was, it's that I was always told, get better gear, always get better gear. I found my gear originally, I think my first pair of biker trunks, like my little biker shorts, Mm -hmm. the the pair that I had was like a Nike pair I found at my job. Right. And I bought them like so quick. I was like, I'm going to use these. Uh Then I I eBayed my first pair of kick pads that had like the dragon on them. And those were MMA Muay Thai sparring style kick pads because the padding is way thicker on those. Right. So it made my kicks way louder. And it mm. sounded way more painful than what it really like was. like smack sound, yeah. Yes. So I was cool with that. But then DJ Hyde from CZW, because I did like a little training match with one of his students at the time. It was uh, Jimmy Lloyd. And now he's he's doing his own thing, doing death matches. I'm not about that life. Ooh. I'm not about that life. No. That's another That's another level. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he for sure told me I need to get better gear. For sure. Mm. Black black trunks and and the way those kick pads were set, he was like, No, you need you need better gear. Mm. So okay, let me try this high boost gear. I, I always wanted to set myself apart with wrestling and sneakers too, but then Enzo Mori came out and I was like, No, this can't be a thing anymore. Yeah. So I for the longest I had high boost kick pads, the high boost um biker shorts and the LeBron Soldier Tins with the clear bottoms mm. on them. I, I was wrestling in those. Then I realized I need to not wrestle in these LeBrons. Let me just wear some amateur wrestling shoes. Right. And get get stuff that's more me mm. in a way. So I think the first pair of like pants that I had bought were from my job. They were like some Calvin Klein leather, mm-hmm. some like leather pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the first time I wore those, they ripped. <laughs> and I, I had my cousin like paint my logo and stuff like that on them, but uh-huh. they ripped. They yeah, because they're not like, you know, athletic wear. Yeah. I mean, you guys are putting it through the ringer real fast. Right. They ripped off the first time. I was like, oh, man. So I took them to someone. Seamstress? Yes. Yeah. I took them to one of them, right? And it's and I asked, could they restitch it? They they were like, no, the way that it's ripped. But I was like, okay, what if I get a spandex shirt? You cut that shirt up and you put it right there for mm-hmm. the crotch area, pretty much. Right. He made it happen. Oh, nice. So those pants lasted me a good little time. Oh, nice. A good little time until I did my first Ring of Honor tryout. It was a little seminar training camp. Mm-hmm. So it was like off the first drill, they ripped completely. Oh no! And I was I was so hurt. I was like, ah, damn it! So then I had to switch back into the Hayabusa gear, and right, stuff. right. And they pretty much made it clear: you need custom gear, gear of your own. You know, you you have to make it happen. Can't put you on TV if, if you don't look looking... the part. Exactly, exactly. So you know, they always say you dress for the job you want, not for the job you have. Right. One one person has definitely said that is uh, Punisher Martinez. Hmm. I did a um I did a seminar of his. That's exactly what he said. He wears suits to the airport. Yeah. That's exactly how it is. He said, dress like the star you are, and not and not dress like someone you're you're trying to be or anything of that nature. Right. You know, you got to dress the part. And he definitely like when I would go to RH shows to help out, he was always in a suit, suit hmm. and tie. With no problem. He's not breaking that line of character. Yeah. Because he's trying to show even people that are not associated with wrestling, this guy's a special guy. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's important. So for sure, your look is really important. So after I got rejected for my first tryout of Uh Ring of Honor, it was for gear majority and my kicks. I they felt like I wasn't aiming my kicks safely enough. And I was like, okay, I understand. I can't argue that factor or anything. All I can do is get better from it. Right. So ordered gear. I ordered kick pads. They were super thin. I didn't like it. Um, I had to cut them open. I took apart a pair of MMA pads that I had because I had like three sets of uh, kick pads. Right. I cut apart one pair, took the foam out, looked at the foam, cut apart the pro wrestling pair that I had ordered. And Uh man, disappointment. Disappointment. When I took them apart, it was like this thin styrofoam. Oh, versus the thick foam that that are in MMA kick pads compared right. to pro wrestling kick pads. Huh. So I pretty much had to modify them and put the MMA kick pad padding inside of those. Hmm. And now I feel safe kicking someone with them. And in the long run, I feel like I'm not going to break my shin kicking somebody. Right, either. right. Because so, a lot of your offense is built around kicks. kicks. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, Funny story, I can't throw a punch. So I throw kicks and elbows right. and uppercuts. That's that's one reason why I don't throw punches. Really. <laughs> you don't want to throw potatoes in the ring, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, goodness. You've been on the receiving end? <sighs> Have I? Have I? Potatoes are, are real punches that are thrown in the heat of the moment or sometimes on purpose. Yeah. Either that, kicks, knees to the stomach. Fair share. Right. Fair share. Um, hair pulling is the worst. So what do you do in retaliation? So like, let's say you lock up with someone and as the match progresses, this guy starts hitting you harder and harder. What do you have to do um, to keep yourself safe? It's or? definitely certain ways with that. You can either joke it off and be like, hey, do I owe you money? Like that, That's always an <laughs> indie joke. Like, do I owe you money? Like, <laughs> lighten up. Right. Or you can always either say lighten up or you can go just as hard. Mm. We're, we were told that if you ever end up getting in a fight in the ring with the person you're wrestling against, win the fight. <laughs> you just got to win the fight. Um, If I'm ever stiff, I always think to myself, like, okay, this is how this match is going to go. I'm all for it. You got to <laughs> kind of mentally prepare yourself and go, okay, so it's going to be like yeah, that. Especially now. if it's someone you don't know mm. and they just right out stiff you off their first move. Maybe that's how they were taught. Right. or Like strong style. There's a certain way to strong style. Right, right. But... If they were taught that way, like, I don't know anybody that was taught to elbow somebody in the back of someone's head with their full-blown elbow. Right. But I know if I'm doing too much, I'll be like, are you good? Are you okay? Mm. Before anything or before a match, you know, hey, if I hit you anywhere, I'm sorry. I don't mean it. Just in case. Or I tell them, you know, certain ways to take kicks. Like, if you're on your knees and you take a kick, tighten up in the chest or you want to aim up up high. I don't try to aim for your stomach or anything. Right. So... Yeah, you gotta kind of almost be prepared for anything. So that that's what I do the most is just try to prepare myself. So yeah, yeah. Um, and then I noticed that uh, you got uh, Kim Dilla to make your gear. Yes, yes. Um, she makes really good gear. Well, she makes gear for everyone. I'm also like a big heavy metal fan. Yeah. Did you know that she was the lead singer of Guar for a while? No. She was Volvatron, and it blew my mind when I like. <laughs> Because Guar's lead singer died, and then after he died, they got her to be the singer for a little bit. Wow. Um, but yeah, aside from that, she makes gear for like all these heavy metal bands, and yeah. then also for a lot of WWE people. Yeah. Yeah, when I saw I was like, bet. Um, a wrestler by the name of uh, Ken Phoenix mm-hmm. put me on to her. Because I, I put a post on Facebook, and I was just like, hey, is there anywhere where I can order gear besides Elucha, Hotspots, and a couple other places? Right. And... He hit me up and he was like, yeah, hit this person up and she will make it happen quicker. Like she responds way quicker than any other place that makes gear. Going back to the original like topic, you look so much better than the Kevin Owens guys because you're coming in with tights that are like pro level. Right. I mean, you have the logo on the side and yeah. everything. The whole look is complete. That was like one of the things that showed me, oh, this guy is taking it seriously. Yeah. This guy's not just another backyard, you know, oh, wrestling kind backyard. of guy. Yeah. He's taking it seriously. He's invested in the look. He's invested in the craft. And yeah, man, that's the kind of difference that makes a difference. Right. Right. Exactly. Um. When I didn't have my own custom gear and I had a haircut, I felt generic. I felt mm. like a basic wrestler. Yeah. It actually made me stop wrestling for a minute. I was like, I'm going to grow my hair out, get my gear. I'm mm. not wrestling until I do it. Right. 
Got it. <laughs> the look is super important. I yeah. mean, you need to stand apart from not only the person that you're wrestling, but from everybody in the roster. Right. Um, there is, there is I, I think, one thing that made me keep a solid mind. I, I want to say mostly during the ROH camp mm-hmm. that I was the only, and I think about this all the time whenever I'm in a big group of wrestlers or it's something that's serious and involving wrestling pretty much. Mm-hmm. I'm the only guy in there with an afro and a sword. Right. Two things right there alone (laughs) that no one else in that room will have. And I always think about that. Like, I'm different from each and every one of these people. The way I move in the ring, the way I kick, the way I grapple. If I want to high fly, I can high fly. I I always think about those things that keep me in a good mind state Mm. of what I can do. And in a way, it's something that always motivates me to not get nervous or to not be scared or to not fear anyone. Right. So I always think about gear, gear being a main part of that as well. Mm -hmm. With your look, gear definitely does count. Right. Um, Rolling back to kind of like your, your wrestling style, right? You're Mm -hmm. very kick heavy. Yes. Um, Your finishing maneuver. Yeah. That's, that's something I haven't seen anyone else do. A lot of moves are derivative, right? Right. Like guys will just, you know, adopt a move that they see on TV as their own. Yeah, or... it, it's really hard for wrestlers to find something to make their own. Because it's already, most of the stuff has already been invented. Right. Yeah. And so when I saw, because it's like a, kind of like a spinning, like roundhouse kick, but then with your knee. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. So the spinning knee, pretty much... Um, it was something to for me not to do a knee trigger. Yeah, because you don't want to be Kenny Omega, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. And when I was starting, I was doing a Casido Crusher. Oh, okay. So I was like, you know what? I need to stop doing that. Mm. I need to embrace different moves. Right. So stop doing a Casido Crusher. Actually, that's how I sprained my wrist. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so now you're definitely not going to yeah, do that. No, 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 no. Yeah. Not at all. No, no, I'm staying away. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, that, that spinning knee, it, it's, it's definitely a big thing. For me, I like it. I can set it up from any type of situation or any spot that I'm in. I can just boom, boom, spinning knee. Right. You call it at that. And it's for for pictures and for video yeah, it quality. Looks really it looks good. really good. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's like uh, I'm keeping that. Um, one move that I'm still working on is this move called Black Magic. Mm-hmm. Low key. I'm not sure if he still does it or not, but that was one of his main moves. Uh-huh. And that for for a good time was my main finisher, but for some reason I still need to work on getting my leg high enough mm. so people can see it come down. Right, right, right. But I mean that's definitely one of my favorite moves. That, yeah. that spinning knee is spinning knee is good. It's a it's a unique one, yeah. and it's not like super dangerous. It doesn't look like yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. I don't aim for the face unless it's a unless it's one of those matches where it's stiff. right, right, right. Unless it's one of those, I'm going for your face. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you do a lot of kicks. Yeah. And that is your main offense. Watching like, you know, your matches online and then, you know, the Instagram stuff. It reminds me a little bit of AJ Styles. Yeah. I was honestly expecting you to say um, Muda. Grey Muda. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, that's, that's you know. I've heard. No, I've heard it before, though. Like yeah. either that or Fujiara. Mm-hmm. Or that, too. Because my kicks. I don't know. I, I always had a thing for martial arts, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like um, prior to wrestling, I was like, all right, let me let me try jujitsu. I love jujitsu. Jujitsu is fun. Um, Muay Thai. Mm. Me watching like Umbak. Yes, yeah. yes. Everybody's introduction to like Muay Thai. Yeah. I believe that that looked great. You know the the strikes with elbows mm. and knees. It was definitely a big inspiration. I was like, yeah, I need to start doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Capoeira. Yeah, Capoeira is so fun. You got the look for it too. I, I self taught myself that. Nice. I'm not. I'm not a fan of the backflips because uh-huh. I did a backflip and did a scorpion, and the scorpion is pretty much when you land on your neck and, and you the back of your foot. Yeah. yeah. So once I learned those, I was like, okay, I feel good. I, I feel safe. Once I realized that I can use that in my style, I was like, well, boom, there we go. I, yeah. I figured out a way to finesse these moves in, even in little things like when I would do practice matches, I would I would start working in that particular style of you know kicks. All right. I can throw kicks really good, but now I need to aim them, aim for the chest, get the loudest noise. Right. So uh, when I kick, I don't for sale kick to hurt the person I'm in the ring. I kick for the sound. So like the louder the sound, the more it gives that strong style feel to it. Right, right. So that's always been a thing with my kicks. Elbows, I mean, they're elbows yeah. pretty much. But there is a way you can make those elbows really, really loud. So 
with me, I like aiming for the noise. The noise factor, I don't I don't kick somebody to hurt them. Anything crazy like that. I, I'd rather just do it for the swordsmanship, the entertainment part. Yeah, because like, you know, for someone sitting, you know, ten rows back, no matter how hard you kick them, if there's no noise, there's no impact. Right. Unless you're in Japan. Yeah. Where that crowd is quiet. That that's that's probably one place I'm trying to I, I, I wanna make a living in Japan. Hmm. Like that that's a that's a goal for mine. Uh get ready for that plane ride, bro. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh man, there's so much stuff in Japan that I just wanna want to experience like i want to yeah. wrestle for new japan i want to go to the gumpla store in japan yeah. like i want to visit all those like there's shops. um you know there's a bunch of good promotions in japan too like noah is yeah. there yeah ddp yep all those uh promotions are out there and you're right about the fans it's completely silent it's yeah. not like the wwe it's very like respectful yeah. and yeah i think my first japan match i've watched was daniel bryan versus kyoto ibushi that crowd was so quiet yeah but and it you're was like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just looking like, yo, this match is really good. Yeah. Like, what's going on? Where a match actually registered to me like, yo, this is like probably one of my favorite matches I'm watching right yeah. now. Yeah. So it's definitely something I want to experience for mm. myself. But kicks, that's just my thing. Yeah. I love kicking. And um, I don't know if you've seen on my kick pads in Japanese, they say kick God. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, that's what they say. That's pretty cool. I can't read Japanese, so I wouldn't know, but... Oh, yeah. no, I Google Translate it oh, no. <laughs> for it to say that. Yeah, man. Um, so, wrestling takes its physical toll. Yeah. Not only do you get beat up in the ring just from taking bumps or taking chops or... Oh, you know, I hate chops. Yeah, strikes that don't land right, you know? And like you said, you're not always wrestling the guys that are taking it as serious as you. So right. sometimes you get, you know, backyard guys or whatever. At the end of the day, there's always a risk of serious injury because yes. it is a serious, it's a seriously physical endeavor. Right. That's a misconception. Wrestling is fake. All the stuff that's fake, you know, they land on a cushy, you know, soft yeah. mat, the turnbuckle, there's like huge padding on it. And then the ropes, those are so hard. It's not like an elastic rubber band. Yeah, no way at all. It's it's metal in those ropes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like it, cables. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's metal cables and probably like some tape on top of it. Right? Tape yeah. or tubes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's nothing in that ring is easy. Nothing in there doesn't hurt. The, the corners hitting a turnbuckle hurts oh my goodness they hurt so especially if you have like some turnbuckles that aren't leather turnbuckles and you got the ones that are made from fabrics oh the canvas yeah 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 those hurt the canvas itself you can rug burn is so real especially Ouch. with a wrestling canvas right so it's it's no it's it's nothing safe in the ring you can have some rings where if you run the ropes you can trip and hurt yourself because of a beam jumping up right. or there being a hole in one of the beams that you have to wrestle in so it's it's a lot so is it at the end of the day with all that risk with all the pain with all the inevitable injury is it worth it to you yeah yeah for sure i mean it, it's to me it's something that i've always wanted to do it's still a lifelong journey for me one of the things that we were told from the jump eventually you're going to get injured Spring wrist is nothing. My first match, I experienced my knee buckling and it felt like I dislocated my like my shin and my thigh. It was the worst pain. Like as soon as it buckled during the match, I shut down and just grabbed my knee. Luckily, it was towards the finish, but right, right. I just couldn't do nothing but grab my knee because that was the most scared. I was like, yo, what's this? Right, right. So it, it's definitely some things that that will eventually happen. God forbid if I have to, if I ever break anything. Hmm. But being prepared, being ready to expect certain things will stop it from happening. Right. For your prime example, if I would have wore a wrist tape, my wrist right. would not would've have this right. irritating pain. So, I mean, it's it's something I'm ready for. My I think my goal out of wrestling, like fame, I, I I'm not I don't really care for fame. All it is, like me personally, I'll look at myself, I can have a hundred thousand dollars in my bank account. And someone walks up to me, I'm going to treat them like anybody else would. I don't I don't expect praises or anything crazy like that. I'm just a regular person. At right. the end of the day, we're all regular people. By any means, no way anybody should be treated less of because of popularity or fame or anything like that. I'll always look at myself as a regular human being. One of my main goals that I think I, I definitely will do, I would definitely love to like come back to the DMV area and open a school wrestling school yes 
when people hit me up on Instagram and ask me, yo, how do I get into pro wrestling? Like, you gotta go to school. And then when I tell them, like, yo, I don't have a car or I don't got no transportation or I don't have the funds, I'm like, unfortunately, you yeah. can't really do it. So what I what I plan on doing is eventually opening a school in this closer area because why should you have to travel to Baltimore, super Baltimore at that because it's not in, like, the Inner Harbor or anything. It's right. far out. Or travel to Hagerstown. You have to get a car. You have to ask somebody to give you that where – if it's something in this area, the metro in, metro in, exactly, right, exactly, and I feel like I personally would open doors for people. Right now, because of where they are at, doors are closed. They don't have access to this stuff. There's there's kids right now that probably want to be a wrestler, right, and eventually in their future that will change. They don't know how to get into it. They lost interest in it. Grew out of it. Oh, it's fake, and it'd be nothing but something gone in the wind. But then for those kids that were like me that stayed true to wanting to do it, mm. sure, got thrown off track a little bit, then eventually just realized, I don't want to do this. I want to do this and jump right back into it. And they find out that where they want to wrestle is three hours away from where they live. And they don't have a car. They don't have a permit. They don't have a license. They don't have any type of transportation. And they have to ask somebody constantly to take me out to this location. That's kind of hard. That, that's kind of like degrading. Yeah. Like it, it kind of will hurt someone's feelings. It hurt mine. I was like, dang, I got to drive this far or I got to get somebody to constantly get a ride on top of that. I still have to pay the tuition to wrestle. Right. Like it's a lot. So at least if I can make one part of it extremely easy for our future generations to mm-hmm. come, then boom, there we go. On top of that, I want to make an easier life for my little sister and my other younger sister where my little sister she's about to be 13 on the 31st this month and she knows how to do a black widow so i mean if she gets into wrestling boom i've already opened a door for her i've already been working on it by the time it comes for me to retire i have all this stuff set and that way i've hopefully made more wrestlers in the world i made a bloodline of wrestlers through my wrestling name eventually that's what i want to do out of out of all this through pain's future hopefully not to really come as far as injuries and stuff i mean i i'm always thinking when i wrestle i don't become like oc like i don't lose consciousness or focus on what the next spot is or what's next anything you do in the ring can lead in fatal injury i i saw someone almost break their arm when i was wrestling they mm. almost did not commit all the way to a samoan drop oh and they stuck their arm out before they hit the mat but luckily they tucked it right back in if not it was gonna be broke i've saw pictures of someone taking a sit out spine buster and to break their fall they had their arm, arm out. out yeah because they don't want to take the impact on their back yeah yeah Exactly. Because that's a natural reaction to break your fall with your with your arms, but that's a big no no. Yes, which yeah. is why we're taught muscle memory yeah. on how to take things. So I think I'm prepared for it all. Um in terms of like your wrestling career, mm-hmm. where do you see yourself ending up? I mean, is is the is the goal Ring of Honor? Is it MCW? Like where do you wanna um, end up? I mean, I would love to wrestle at MCW. Hmm. Same time, I would love to wrestle anywhere. Right. Anywhere. I mean, I want to wrestle in Mexico. Like I said, next year, I'm trying to wrestle in Japan. I mean, not Japan. Uh, Canada. Canada. Canada, for sure. Um, My long goal, I truly want to, like, live a great life in Japan. Wrestling in Japan. I, I find the one of the more easier ways is through Ring of Honor, of course. Mm-hmm. That's still a goal of mine that I want to wrestle for is Ring of Honor. Um. If the WWE ever would even take a look at me, I'd be all for it. I'd be like, all right, cool. Get this check. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> different style. Different. Yes. Different style completely. Yeah. But mostly going for New Japan. New Japan for sure. Like that. that's what I want. I like the style. I like the way of the country. Like I like the respect level there as well yeah. and how they treat people. It's just it's cool. You have to yeah. deal with so much BS, you know? How do you like what uh, Cody Rhodes is doing over there? Oh, that's so crazy. Yeah. It, it, it's cool because he he was in a bad position and he he made it possible. Yeah. He, he refused to take, no person refused to take like no or anything. He went out there and made it. And luckily for him, well, not luckily, but so many people owed his dad debt. Dusty so a lot Rhodes. of people let him wrestle in right. honor of, of his dad. But he he's someone that for sure made a name. On his own too. On his own and not under his dad's name. Well, yeah, because... You know, he comes out as the American Nightmare Cody. Correct. 
right. not Cody Rhodes. Right. You know, at first it was legal issues why he couldn't use yeah, Rhodes yeah. at first, but I don't know what it is now. Yeah. But you can, I guess he can use it now. But right, he co- he comes out as Cody with that crazy blonde hair now, and that's yeah. another thing with the look. He changed his look completely. Yeah. Different kinds of trunks. Yeah. Um, and now he's the leader of the Bullet Club, which is crazy. yeah, yeah, it's. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's it's super crazy. I mean, there's people out there that I definitely want to wrestle, for sure. Okay, so... For sure. Top five opponents that you think you could have, like, a five-star match with. Um, Oh, man. All right, so I think the first one... It is only because I, I would love to wrestle a female. Mm. So it would be... um. Her name is Big Mama from CMLL. I don't know if you If is. you see her wrestle, you'd be like, okay, she's she she's she looks like a wrestler that proves a stereotype wrong she's a big girl right but she can move she's nice. a big girl but she's a true luchador like it's, oh, it's crazy that's awesome yeah so I, I would wrestle her um who else would i wrestle um i think for my number one it'd probably have to be kenny omega for the number yeah. one so we had number one and number five right so then number two jay lethal for sure number three anybody from the wwe like I think you'd have an awesome match with Daniel Bryan. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, my last one, Shibata. Oh, Shibata. You ready for that? Yep. Matter of fact, <laughs> replace Daniel Bryan and put Will Osprey. Oh, Will. There we go. Yep. Will Osprey is okay. So a lot of older wrestlers have been commenting on the fact that he's just a spot whore. The flips with Ricochet. Remember when he had Ricochet's last match at Ring of Honor? They had that thing. And a lot of people have been critical about like, oh, he just does flippy stuff. He doesn't like tell the story and stuff like that. Do you find that to be true or is it just? No, no. Will Will Ospreay, he's he's a wrestler that's not even at his prime of Mm. pro wrestling yet. And hoping out of Ring of Honor again, he's just like walking the ropes with no shoes on, just, just chilling calling his match with Dragon Lee and stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so one thing that he's for surely not is the Dynamite Kid. All the way, he's not. He said himself, he's not. The style that he works, he knows what he's doing. He runs, I think he's a head trainer at a school right. where he's teaching luchador stuff. Right, right. So it's not like he's spot whore. Because you can call it to the Young Bucks. But then the Young Bucks, they do their own thing where they don't care. Eventually, they realize just don't care. We're going to super kick and get people suck it and stuff like that. They don't care. It's it's those things that make them stand out, Mm -hmm. make them great. I mean, Will Ospreay has definitely inspired me to have some high flying, Mm -hmm. for sure. I want to study Luchador more. I want to do Spanish Flies and Dragon Ranas and stuff. Like, I'm not afraid to do those things. It's just... You got to learn it. I learn it and have the right amount of people, right amount of crowd. I wouldn't do that for 15 people. Right. Do it for like 200. Right. 300, 1,000, but not like 15 people. It's not worth the risk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Definitely not. If you're you're going to risk something crazy, make it worth it. Make it worth the while. Make it worth more than $25. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, we've been talking for a minute, right? Is there anything else that you want to say? Um, Is there anything that you would want? the general public to know about pro wrestling because you have a very unique insight into a very specific skill set and craft that you know i'm a big pro wrestling fan you're the first pro wrestler that i've talked to so even for me that's like a really niche thing so is there anything that you would want everyone to know about that pro wrestling's far from fake yeah i'll put it i'll put it that much (laughs) pro wrestling's far from fake if you feel like wrestlers that you pay to watch aren't doing their best Believe me when I say, if it wasn't for you, they wouldn't be there giving their best or trying their hardest to entertain you. So, I mean, I guess just have that respect, right. I want to say, unless respect is a harsh word, have that appreci- no, I don't think very so. appreciation that, you know, there are people out there that will do stuff for your entertainment and your enjoyment, especially for your kids. And they're risking their health, yes. their livelihood. Yes. And that's a... That's a that's a crazy thing. Pro wrestling has been around in this country for a really long time, even back in the days of like strongmen and carnivals and stuff like yeah. that. You know, United States has had a long history with pro wrestling. And it is great to see how even now in the age of like social media and reality TV and all these things, pro wrestling is still pretty strong. I would argue that the wrestling now, maybe not so much only in the WWE, but, you know, Ring of Honor and New Japan and all these uh, other promotions, it has never been better. Right, right. Yeah. Right now, wrestling's at an all-time high. Yeah. And 
it's more than likely more it's more independent wrestling yeah at an all-time high yeah for long as everyone's known just wwe wrestling right but the independents came out the cut yeah people like young the young bucks Ricochet, Will Ospreay, yeah. Kenny Omega, Bushi, Naito. Mm -hmm. They've they've made wrestling more liver than what it really is nowadays. Right. You know, um, something that introduced me to the indies really, 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 really good was um Pro Wrestling Gorillas. Pro Wrestling if you YouTube Pro Wrestling Gorillas and just click on any of their their, their videos, stuff they do in a ring, it's like, yo, like indie wrestling is where it's at. Yeah. You you you'll see stuff definitely better in the indies than the WWE right now. Cause like in the indies, a lot of it is focused on the immediate crowd. Where WWE, it's always focused on the camera. You know, they yeah. always wrestle on the hard cam side so they can show it, showcase all the moves. Right. But you know, wrestling is in the round. Yeah. You know, the the crowd surrounds the ring, so you have to give a show for everybody. And I think indie wrestlers do that right. the best. Yeah, man. This has been a really uh, enlightening conversation. <laughs> Personally, I think you're a great guy. And just as a fan of pro wrestling, it was really beneficial for me to hear it from an actual pro wrestler. Whatever you do, man, I wish you nothing but success. Thanks for coming. Right. Really appreciate it. Tony right, Mako, ladies you. and gentlemen. And there you have it. The ninth episode of the Lucha Lounge podcast is in the books. I had a great time talking to Tony, and um, I can't wait to see what he does next in his pro wrestling career. If you want to follow up with Tony and uh, check out what he's doing, you can follow him on Instagram at TonyMCM100. Uh, that's T-O-N-Y-M-C-M-1-0-0. If you want to support the Lucha Lounge podcast, you can check us out on Instagram at Lucha Lounge Network. Um, once again, I want to thank everybody for listening. Nine episodes in and still going strong. Um, I have guests lined up throughout the end of the year. So uh, subscribe and follow and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. We'll see you next time. Bye.